And that's our invitation this morning. To turn our eyes up towards heaven. To gaze upon the beauty and the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we worship together this morning. Um, we're going to have some prayer time in just a moment, but I wanted to take just a moment to um, let you know something I had a chance to do this week. This week I got to go um, and say thank you to a person who has been helping us lead and, and helping guide our church over the last couple of years. Uh, many of you know uh, Latera Gibson, and she has served over the past 24 months as our uh, missions president, um, and I got to go deliver a card to her and say thank you with a little gift. Um, but we also, on behalf of her and her service, made a donation to a missions project that she's uh, passionate about and that she contributes towards uh, a group called 524 that raises money for for um, orphans in uh, India. And so uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure to do that. Um, and we want to say thank you to her for her time and service. So I don't know if she's tuning in, but if you are Latera, we want to say thank you uh, for your time of service as our missions president this uh, last 24 months. So thank you so much for that. Um, absolutely. Um, we also have appointed a new missions president, and that's Kathy Poulin, and I didn't warn her that I was doing this, so she's just going to wave. She's not even going to stand up, um, but uh, she's going to be leading us over the course of this next year, and after today, she might quit on me, so um, <laughs> no, I don't think so, but um, we are so grateful to have people who step up and serve and choose to serve the church in these ways, in these leadership roles. Uh, and so thank you to them for, for doing that. Um, and I'm grateful for our church board and the way that they consistently serve and consistently lead us. Uh, as we go to the Lord in prayer um, this morning, I want to encourage you to remember um, the Bigelow family uh, as Mike's mother just recently passed away as they go through this grieving process. Um, please pray for Mike and for his family uh, during this time. Um, and also, uh, if you're uh, on, our, on our prayer request chain, you got the, the request this week to, uh, to lift up Kelsey Palmer. I know that Kelsey often tunes in online, so Kelsey, if you're able to tune on or able to log on this morning and tuning in with us, we want to pray for you. Uh, she has plans to leave for Germany and flies out of or flew out of D.C. Uh, over, over the big pond this past week for her service um, there in Germany. So we uh, are lifting you in prayer, uh, and we hope that you might even be able to stay connected to us through uh, technology these days and the way that uh, we're able to share our worship experience um, through, through the technology that we have. So we praise God for that. There are many other requests that are represented in our church family uh, and by those who, who sit among us today. And, and so uh, if you have a prayer request that we can uh, lift up uh, in specificity, we invite you to fill out that prayer card on the bottom of your bulletin. Um, but there are also requests that don't get shared, uh, things that people are struggling with and that they face from day to day, and we want to remember to be faithful to pray for those. So would you join me in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, as we turn our eyes towards you today, we remember and we realize that there is uh, such grace and such comfort to be found there. Uh, 
in, in our moments of worship, in our moments of, of taking our eyes off of what surrounds us and what's going on uh, in the world, in our moments that we're able to fix our gaze upon you. There's this reorientation of, of, our, of our person, of our, of our attention, God. And it's so good to simply worship you. It's so good to be in your presence and to be with your people. Lord, today I, I thank you for the chance to gather, the chance to come into this space and to be together as church family and to recognize that we together say you are good and worthy of our worship and you have something to say to us and you want to shape us and form us and mold us into something new. Something beautiful, something that looks a lot like Jesus, that has evidence of your spirit working in our heart. God, would you make us into your people, the, the very people of God? Would you teach us and, and set us free uh, to be your kingdom representatives in the world today? and make us more like you. Father, today I want to lift uh, Mike Bigelow and his family up to you as they're grieving the loss of his mom as they continue uh, that process over the next weeks and months and years. God, would you bless them and would you be very present to them? Would you hold them in this time of grief? Help us to know how to participate with you in that, in Mike's life but be there for his entire family. And for many of us who uh, have experienced grief in these last months or, or through this time, God, some, some of it known and others of it held very privately, God, we pray for your grace to sustain those dealing with loss and needing that comfort today. I pray for those that are, are in transition, some uh, some that we know about and others that we don't. We lift Kelsey to you as she's now stationed in Germany. Father, would you be with her and give her grace, help her in that adjustment process and in that transition today, Father. May she know that she's loved. May she know that she has family that's thinking of her and praying for her and lifting her up. But I also pray for other transitions, some that are dramatic and some that are more subtle. Would you be in the midst of that? helping us to understand that you carry us through and that our connection and our love and, and our worship of you can be a sustaining force through those transitions. God, we're grateful for our church family and, and the chance to gather in this way. Would you be with us now as we look to the word uh, and help us to uh, just be shaped by your word and by your message to each of us this day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's time for kids to head off to, to kids' church. I do have a, a brief joke for you. Um, this one I found. Why Do you know why a nose can't be 12 inches long? Because it'd be a foot. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't want that. All right, kids, you can head up to Kids Church. Uh, we're so grateful for um, 
our kids' church team that, that allows us to uh, provide ministry to kids that's age-appropriate. So, During the Sundays in Lent this year, our, uh, our journey has been to chart a course through what's called the first reading of each Sunday's lection that's found in the lectionary uh, uh, cycle, three-year cycle. It's taken this on this brief journey through the Old Testament and moments along the way, spots along the way where, where God has reached out, where God has reached out and, and made covenant with Israel and with the people of God. Uh, moments where, where he's provided, where he's been the sustainer for them when they needed it desperately, when everything else fell away. Moments where God reached out and touched humanity and established covenant with us, instructed us, provided for us. Uh, and today's text falls in line with that pattern today. Uh, and also, as, as, it, as, as he reaches out in provision for the day, it also gives us a picture of his provision in the future. Uh, and so today we're turning to the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 31. If you have your Bibles with you and want to turn with me, uh, or maybe you have a device that has scripture on it, uh, you can open up there. Starting uh, in Jeremiah 31, verse 31, we'll be reading through verse 34. Today, would you, as you are able, would you stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word? Reading today from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Reading today from the Common English Bible. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. It won't be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant with me, even though I was their husband, declares the Lord. No, this is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my instructions within them and engrave them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will no longer, no longer need to teach each other to say, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sins. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Do you ever get sick of everything new? Worst notification on my computer or on my phone. Your account needs a new password. Ugh. Look right, look left. Well, I, don't, I don't need a new password. Thank you very much. This one has served me perfectly well, um, and, and I really don't need this. And I have to update not just the password, but my little file that keeps all my passwords because I can't remember them all. Um, in 1982, there was a futurist and an inventor named Fuller who estimated that up to the year about 1900, human knowledge had doubled about every hundred years or so. It took about a hundred years for us 
to double our knowledge. According to Fuller, um, by 1945, his estimate had shrunk a little bit. He said, by 1945, we were doubling our, our knowledge uh, or so uh, about, about every 25 years. But it had sped up. By 1982, Fuller estimated that human knowledge was doubling by a, or at the, in the time span of about 12 to 13 months. And the estimate back then, back in 82, based on the curve, was that by 2020, it would double every 20 hours. <laughs> Mr. Fuller didn't know anything about 2020. I'm sorry. <laughs> he had no clue what was coming. But dealing with the new can really be overwhelming sometimes. Dealing with the new in our lives is, is uh, it can drain us. I can, I can run out of mojo real quick when everything seems new all the time. Do you ever have this happen to you? Do you ever, do you ever get fatigued, like, like newness fatigue? Especially, especially when new doesn't feel like it's particularly good. And that's where we find Israel today. In this text, that's where we find Israel. Israel has, has a problem in Jeremiah's day. Uh, we actually talked a lot this about, or talked about this a lot during our Advent season uh, this past year as we looked at a couple of passages in Isaiah. But Je- Jeremiah had spent the, his ministry as a prophet in, in the nation of Judah, warning of Babylon, warning what was coming, and, and that, that Babylon was going to come and wreak havoc and cause problems for the nation of Judah. Uh, and then it had come to pass. Uh, he, he had uh, spent his ministry warning about Bob, Babylon, and, and then the unthinkable had happened. They had overthrown Judah. They had, they had broken down the walls of Jerusalem, and they were left a city that was exposed. The temple had been destroyed, and the people of Judah were dragged off to Babylon to live in exile. <laughs> These folks were having a bad day, <laughs> a bad month, a bad year for the nation of Judah and for Jerusalem, which was the center of this Israelite nation, this culture of Israel. And as much as we realize that this was for Israel a, a real problem, I, I'm not always sure we, we understand and are able, or at least I'm not, able to, to grasp and understand the magnitude uh, of what we're dealing with when we talk about this exile uh, to Babylon. Babylon was just the big bully on the block, right? And the, and the big bully didn't want control. He didn't just want the wealth. didn't just want the resources. Babylon was on a mission to undo Israelite memory. To, to undo and to destroy the Israelite culture. This was all part of their strategy. Invade and destroy and pillage and drag the people off and plant them back in Babylon, in the middle of their culture. Eventually their Israeliteness, that's not really a word I made that up, their Israeliteness would fade and would wane and begin to disappear in the majority Babylonian culture. 
And as we talked uh, uh, earlier this year, we talked about Genesis 9. This was, uh, I think, the first week in, in Lent. We, we had a text from Genesis 9, and I, and I talked about how it's likely that much of the first part of our Bible, the Torah or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, much of that likely was recorded and written down while they were in exile in Babylon. And this is why. This is the Israelite why of why they did that. They stood up to Babylon and said, no, we don't want to be forgotten. We, we want to tell our stories. We want to remember our stories. We want to teach them to our children. There's a sense of wanting to, to remember and preserve this identity that they had formed as the nation of Israel and wanted to prevent it from fading and disappearing. This was the human attempt to solve this problem. It was somewhat, somewhat effective. It's somewhat helpful. I'm glad that they did that. I'm glad that we have Genesis and Exodus, the stories uh, that are contained in, in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, this, this story of who the Israelite nation was and how it came into being. But the amazing thing is that God, through the prophet of Jeremiah, had already made a way for, for Israel in this instance, had already reached out and said, I'm here for you. I, I'm enough for you, and I, and, I, and I want to establish in you a piece of who I am. And here we find it in the book of Jeremiah. For centuries and for generations, God had reached out to the people of God uh, in this unique and, and amazing way. In Noah's day, the, the hanging of the bow in the sky, saying again, I'm, I'm never again going to, to destroy the whole earth in this way. In Abram's day, he, to a childless nonagenarian, that's a real word, by the way, uh, someone in their 90s is called a nonagenarian. I had to look it up, though. Uh, you're, he said to this, this old dude, you're going to be the father of many nations. And he looks around and says, haven't had any kids yet. This is interesting. To the writing of the Ten Commandments and, and the establishment of the code that Israel would live by. To last week, the provision of God expressed by physical presence being in their midst. God says, I have this new thing. I have this, this new way. I'm going to write my instructions on your hearts. You will know me. You will understand me internally. What we have in this passage is we've kind of taken portions of scriptures from, from, from week to week through this Lent. We have this escalation of engagement. God continues to come closer to, to humanity. This is, this is the thread of these texts in Lent, that God coming closer to us, God reaching out, God providing for our need. And this is consistent with that flow. I will begin to write my law upon the hearts of my people. But as I think about this change, <laughs> I'm not sure how well it was probably received. Have you thought about that? 
Jeremiah hadn't been overly popular in his days. <laughs> Babylon's coming. They're, they're going to take us away. They're going to kill us. They're going to destroy our temple. He wasn't overly popular, like many of the prophets. <laughs> prophets weren't the favorite people in Israel. He had warned frequently that Babylon was on the way, and now they had just lived through it. This is not happy news. Jeremiah wasn't really a popular guy. If you want to explore chapter 26 through 29 in Jeremiah, kind of break off from the prophecy of Jeremiah and talk about the story of Jeremiah. So if you want to take a look at how Israel and the nation of Judah received Jeremiah, look at Jeremiah 26 through 29 sometime this week. It breaks into this story of Jeremiah being received by the, or how Jeremiah was received by the community. And here Jeremiah is saying, God's going to do it a new way. It's, it's not a good report given to the nation by Jeremiah. And, and what is he saying? What, was the writing on our hearts? Like, we've had this system, Jeremiah. It's been okay for us. It's worked just mighty fine. Thank you very much. You know, God wrote on the, the stone tablets, and, and then we established the temple, and we kind of like it this way. Do you have that one friend? Do you have that person in your life? They're found saying things like this. Look, look, look. It's going to be so great. It's going to be so good. You know the way we've been doing things forever? We're going to blow that up. We're going to do it, we're going to do it different. We're, we're never going to do it that way again. And it's going to be awesome. Do you have that person? I tend to not be that guy. I'm the guy in the background. You know, like the person saying that, and I'm kind of behind them going... Like, giving a lot of side-eye to this, this person when they can't, they can't see. Think about the guy trying to talk about cars. Imagine having no horses. We don't have to feed them hay. There's no poop to clean up. What about the lady excited about email? You don't have to write them with pen and paper anymore, and they arrive in, like, minutes. It's going to be awesome anywhere on the planet. Just like real mail, there's spam junk mail in the email, right? Jeremiah is making a statement like that. This is going to be great. God's law is going to be on our hearts. It's going to be available to us. It's a whole paradigm shift in how God relates to humanity, how he provides and has connection with us. For so long, this, this had been the way of life. God's law written on stone. Imagine the imagery of that, etched in stone, recorded in scrolls, taught by the elders and the leaders of the nation of Israel. <laughs> He's talking silly talk here. He's talking about growth and God's instruction and enrichment written on our hearts. <laughs> and Jeremiah was the one known for, for what? talking about Babylon coming and destroying their, their nation. <laughs> so he's not a real popular guy. Now they show up, and he's talking about changing the way we interact with God. He might as well say, <laughs> I told you so. Told you Babylon was coming. 
And yet for us today, it's so easy to celebrate. This, this is well-known and popular passage today that God has written his instructions on our hearts and that we can have this close and intimate connection with him. Why? Why do we love this passage so much? Have you thought about that? It couldn't have been easy for Israel to hear, but it's sure good news for us. Why? Because we know the outcome. Because we're on the other side. Because as followers of Jesus, we've experienced this. Have you had that moment? When God has just taught you something so profoundly, so intimately, so been, been so close and taught you that he's written his will upon your heart, his compassion or his care, his mercy upon your heart. We still have scripture. We celebrate that. But when it's written on your heart by God, there's something pure, something impactful about that. And I got to thinking this week, and this is a bit of a stretch, <laughs> but I got to thinking this week about what Jeremiah might have said to us in 2019. <laughs> Friends, you got to listen to me. 2020 is going to be so crazy. The world's going to shut down. We're going to be able to wear these awesome face coverings all day long. It's going to be awesome. You're laughing. We laugh because it's ridiculous. We laugh because none of it feels good. We laugh because it's kind of lame and inconvenient. It's become divisive. What's the difference? I think the difference is that we're still in the middle of it. Jeremiah had this long arc vision of what God was doing. Jeremiah had the ability to, to reach out and say, what's God going to do? How is God going to transform us through this time? What would be that long arc of this journey that we've been on this past year? What would Jeremiah really have said in 2019? I've noticed a few things. And, and certainly you've noticed some things too, I'm sure. But I've noticed a few things about what's happened. I can tell you that the church is, has really had to get serious about how to spread the message of hope and love through cameras and through technology this year. I think the church has finally understood and, and felt convicted about how important it is to be together. Isn't it good that we can be together this morning? I think the church has, has remembered how important it is to call in, call each other, to check in on each other, to reach out. And you know what? We've done it this year. You've done it this year to one another. We've seen God tap in amazingly to the generous, abundantly generous hearts of the people of God. And that 
we have become people of abundance and not people of scarcity in these days. I also think that God has helped us look into the culture a little bit this past year. It's not been easy. Um, when, when, I, when I meet someone new or, or approach someone, I have, I have learned a new sense of trying to be aware of how comfortable that person is in this interaction that we're about to have. And I think that that's grace-filled. Does this person want to shake hands? Do they not want to shake hands? Well, what's safe? What's appropriate? What's comfortable? I think it's called us to an awareness of that, uh, of that in our lives. I think it's also called us to an awareness of, of a deep need that we have to restore and to repair uh, racial relationships in our country. I think it's given us a glimpse of the, of the danger of, of vitriolic discourse in our world. More than anything, I think it has helped us understand that our first loyalty in our lives is to Christ. Amen? And that all the other labels, all the other opinions fall secondary to my understanding as a follower of Christ. I want that to be me. I want that to be my first identity. It's been quite a year. We have changed, but I think Jeremiah provides us this glimpse that God, even in the context of exile to Babylon, even for the Israelites in that day, still reaches out and still draws us close to him. 2021 is no different. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up. We're going to close with a song uh, this morning after we pray. But today I want you to hear the call of Jeremiah. He said, The day is coming when I will write my instruction upon their hearts. The day is coming when my people shall be changed. Praise the Lord. I know that some of us don't handle change well. That news is tough for some of us. It really is. But praise the Lord. Can we invite God with this statement today? Change me. Change me. Make me new today. Transform us make us new. Let's pray together. God, today we are so grateful for your provision in our lives. That you step out, you make the first move, you make the invitation first. And say, my child, come. Come, for I wish to make all things new. Lord, today as we celebrate the fact that you gave us this text, this text that talks about how you write your instructions upon our hearts, we also understand that even today, you're in the midst of doing something new and something beautiful. Would you be with us as we look to receive that and to allow ourselves to be shaped and molded and changed by that in our lives? 
for you are a good God. And we trust you. We step into that saying, lead us and guide us, for we will faithfully follow after you. You're our only direction. You are our identity. And make us your representatives. Make us your children this day, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.